Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for the second episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Joining me today are my two co-hosts, Tiffany. Hey. And Dan. Hey guys. Alright, we'd like to start out by saying thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to our first episode. Um, we're excited about the this new podcast, this new endeavor for the site. Um, and we're thankful for all the feedback and encouragement that people have given us so far. So if you haven't had a chance to check out that first episode, head on over to nonsensicalgamers.com. Take a look at our show notes on the site, or you can tune into our RSS feed, um, or we're officially on iTunes. So I think you can now look for us there. So tonight we're going to try out a new format idea for our show. As a weekly podcast, it's our goal to shoot for around 60 to 90 minutes um, to try to not talk too long, although that's pretty easy for us when it comes to board games. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to switch week to week between two different formats. The first is going to be a lot like episode one. We're going to have news, Kickstarter spotlights, a topic for discussion, and any other segments we kind of throw in in that vein. The second is going to be an episode like today where we're going to base it around a review or a comparison between one or more games and a discussion that will follow. Throughout both formats, like I said, we're going to throw in some different segments, try some different things, um, but the overall goal for us is just to have an informative, entertaining, and obviously nonsensical listening experience for you guys. So without further ado, we're just going to jump into tonight's show. A review and comparison of One Night Ultimate Werewolf and The Resistance. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing. So let's start out with Tiffany. How about you give us a game? Okay. Well, this weekend I got to play a whole bunch of games. Uh, me and a few of my friends meet up uh, to PaneraCon. We all kind of converge on one Panera for a day. And uh, we play a whole bunch of games all day long and shut the place down. Um one of the games we tried was Five Tribes, which is the new Days of Wonder, Bruno Cathala thing that was like the hotness at Gen Con. So I was really excited to try it. And I didn't buy it at Gen Con, and I'm kind of glad I didn't <laughs> because I am prone to AP. And this game has a lot of paths to victory. So there, there, there's a grid of ties. And there are to start off three meeples on every single tile, and you're moving, you're you're picking up meeples and moving them through Mancala style, and then you get an action from the tile, and you get an action from the workers that you're taking off the tile. So it's it's pretty thinky. Um, I didn't hate it. I'd definitely play it again, but there are just a lot of decisions to make, and I felt like the whole time I was making the worst possible decisions. But I came in with within like seven points of winning. So it was just kind of a weird feeling to like feel like I was doing terrible the whole entire time, but then actually turn out I was fine. Nice. Well, what's the like average score size? Is seven a lot or a little? You know, I don't know. Gosh, I I wish I could remember what my score was. <laughs> I got killed at Gen Con when I played yeah. so it's it can range. It just depends. Is it like Russian so, Railroad's 400 points? or No. I think no. I think the game I played, Gen Con, was, I think the max score, or not the max score, sorry, the winning score was like 140, 150. Okay. Oh, then maybe we did terrible. 
Oh, because I feel like mine wasn't anywhere near that. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm going to look up my score pad that I posted on Twitter. Okay, the scores were 122, 149, and 142. Yeah, okay. See, I, yeah. I was going to say, I, I set Ben pinch back up for a 35-point turn, so I know they were up Jeez. there. <laughs> well, but that's because you're playing with Ben, and he's a beast. Yeah, but I, I completely agree with you on the AP prone uh, players. You're going to really want to sit back and examine every option, not only on your turn, but what the other players are going to do because the, the board state constantly changes and you have to kind of reevaluate, you know, once your turn comes up. Well, uh, the, that's where I kind of have like a problem because you can't plan things because it's constantly changing. So you have to play tactically, but I want to plan things. Yeah. Your, your only real avenue to that is by bidding high on the turn order, which is another aspect of the game. Which is what I did not do. I refused yeah. to bid on turn order. Yeah. I, I didn't care for that much. I, I, I'm the same way. I don't like to do that too much. And this one really kind of forces you to, uh, if you want to kind of maximize your um, your move without having other players affect it too much before your turn comes up. Yeah. I had the other two guys, though, they were like duking it out for turn order. So it saved me like a ton of points. Okay. Uh, you have to so bid points it, for turn order? Yes. I like your money is points. Okay. Yeah. So. okay. Hmm. So, but it's 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 definitely a different game for Days of Wonder. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely heavier. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I could see why people really like it. I just know it's not a game that I would play often enough to own. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's one of those games where I think you just have to, like, let loose and just do what's best for you when it arises and not focus too much on what the other guys are doing um, or how it will affect you because so much can change um, from turn to turn but it's really pretty it's a really pretty game lots of colors on the board I actually don't like how colorful it is yeah there, there are a lot of colors especially when you put those meeples on it as well I've seen some pictures and it seems a little distracting or maybe hard to decipher I don't know Lots of lots of meeples. Definitely. Well, something equally as colorful, but a lot lighter and less AP prone. Um, I got a chance to play Lanterns. I guess this was over the weekend. Um, Lanterns, the Harvest Festival, which is Kickstarter. Is this debuting in the end of September, Dan? Yeah, I think it comes out around the 23rd of September. It's going to hit Kickstarter. So we had a four-player game of Lanterns. Um, This is our first play. We'll be doing a little write-up about it, so you can stay tuned for that. But um, So this is the start of our our kind of playtesting and and reviewing. So Dan moderated our game, gave us the rules overview, um, and we had a chance to play it. It was a cool little game. I was frustrated. (laughs) So basically the game uh, involves... The Chinese Lantern Festival, is that correct? The Harvest Festival where the lanterns are floating. Um, People put these beautifully colored lanterns and intricate lanterns into the water um, to float around in celebration. But you are basically tile placing onto a central board trying to make patterns and combinations, uh, matching up different colors of lanterns and things like that. And when you do that, depending on how you place your tile in the middle, 
you will get a certain number of lantern cards out in front of you, and it's actually a set collection game, is how you turn them in for points. So it was a cool little game. Dan, you only got to watch it, but what do you think? I really, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I got a chance to um, have a look at it at Gen Con as well, and it's it's real, real smooth game. Uh, this is coming from uh, Chris Chung over at Flash Forward Games, um, and Foxtrot uh, Games is going to publish it, which is uh, Randy Hoyt, who also came out with Relic Expedition. Um, so the art, the art we had on the tiles was nice. It was sleek. Um, it's nothing too fancy, um, but the game seemed very streamlined. It was quick. I think a full four-player game was over in, what, like 30 minutes or so? Yeah, I and, think so. And it's, like I said, it's not it's nothing too too extensive as far as the rule set and the, and the mechanics. I mean, it was, uh, it was really quick. Yeah. Tiffany, have you seen anything about this? I saw it at Gen Con, and I thought it looked amazing i just didn't get a chance to demo it so i think i'm planning on backing that i think it's it's a cool little game i enjoyed it um lanterns the harvest festival keep an eye out for it end of september and i guess keep an eye out for our thoughts but it seems to be um a winner at least after some initial testing tiffany what else you been getting into uh, another game we played over the weekend was Discount Salmon. Um, it, what, it's kind of like a it's, a... it's almost a dexterity game with cards. They described it to me as speed trick-taking, which, if you know how I game, it's pretty much the opposite of anything I could ever like. <laughs> uh, dis- <laughs> despite being a Midwesterner, I really suck at trick-taking games, like, really bad. And I can't grok them, and it's terrible. So in, dis- in Discount Salmon, it's it's like that, but it's not like that. It was really, really fun. Uh, you, you have this, like, pile of cards that are these messed up fish. They have all kinds of different ailments. They're, like, toxic. They're dry. They're poisonous. They're ugly. They're not a fish. There's, like, a card with a tire on it. It's just not a fish. So you're trying to play the cards out of your hand to make it sellable. Like, you're, you take on the role of someone who's trying to sell fish from, it's like Lake Miasma. And um, so you have to, like, if the fish is ugly, you have to be the first person to play, like, the, the makeup card on top of it to make it sellable. And, and if you play that, then you get the card, and every fish that you get is a point. And the, the thing that makes it tricky is that there are also cards that you can add to it that make it um, more, worse. So let's say the fish is already, like, ugly. You can play Blistering Hot Sun on top of it, and that makes it ugly and dry. So to win it, someone would have to play Lotion and Makeup on top of it. And that can get pretty vicious. Like, someone could just put out all these terrible cards on top of it and you have to play five cards to get it so it's really fast it's a speed game um you're playing all these modifiers and it there are some times where you're like wait what do i have to play but for the most part it's like fun and we shouted at each other and it was it was pretty good i liked it i'm glad i picked it up it sounds bizarre yeah, well, it was it was the winner of the tabletop death match. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it shared the victory with Penny Press. Yeah, but it's a weird theme. But I'm into like quirky themes, yeah. so 
It's right up my alley. I got a signed copy. Ah, you are the ultimate hipster gamer. You're so fancy. <laughs> Your signed copy of Discount Salmon. It's going to be worth a lot someday, I think. <laughs> but that's, yeah, it was. it's really good. It it sounds interesting. I, I uh, when Unpub comes, we'll bring that along because I don't think that's oh, going to sure. end up in any of our collections before then. So. Oh, it should. No, it should. Uh, but yeah, I I'll carry it along because it's just it's one of those things you can just keep it. And I have like a bag of fillers now that I just keep around with me. Yeah. So I'll bring it. Nice. All right, I want to talk about another All game. Right, go for it. So this is a game that I don't think either two of you would even think about playing, but it was Micro Monsters. This was my like last minute Gen Con. I'm gonna get something weird that no one plays. Game. I always do that. Um, so this is from Aries Games, and it's if you look at the Board Game Geek like family, it's under Monsters and Tiddlywinks. Okay. And that's that's literally what it is. So, in the game, you have, like, your little base. It's like this little circular tile that you have in front of you. And then you have all these different shaped tiddlywinks. So, like, you have big circles and little circles and, like, rectangle ones. And they represent different monsters. And then you have a shooter. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to, like... I don't even know what... You're trying to shoot your monsters over onto the other guy's base. Or like knock out his monsters by hitting like landing on them so you have a special power there are like we weird animals like there was turbo turtles and auto gators i think were the two that we played with so they have like a special ability when you roll a die and then it tells you which tiddlywinks you can shoot at the other guy and then sometimes it makes your special ability happen and it was just, like, really super silly. I think we played it in, like, 20 minutes. But I love weird dexterity games. And this was definitely weird. I'm looking at pictures right now. It looks pretty goofy. But in, it's goofy. in a fun way, though. I mean that in the, in the best way. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was pretty fun. I think I'm going to bring it to my middle school board game club, and they're going to love it. Ah, nice. Yeah, so I think that's going to be cool. And I don't know. It's monsters and tiddlywinks. Like, I don't know. You can't go wrong with yeah. that in my mind. Nice. Yeah. Was the price point nice? It was low? Uh, I don't think it was very expensive because if it had been, I probably wouldn't have bought it. Okay. <laughs> but um, it, the the only thing that I could say that I didn't super like about it is you have to sticker everything. Oh, uh, I, I saw the stickers. I didn't know if they came like that or not. OCD oh. Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, I definitely spent more time stickering it than I did playing it the first time. So you've got auto gators, but... big bears, finbacks, and turbo turtles. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, so that it was it was fun. Yeah, check it out if you like dexterity weird games. Micro monsters from Aries Games. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Dan, I think your voice is rested enough. You got anything you want to? chime in with um let's see i guess one thing i played well you i don't know have either of you played new amsterdam i know you didn't matt no i didn't have you had a chance to play that tiffany nope <clears throat> so it's a 
this was Smee's game that he's been trying to bust out. Um, he got it in a trade. It's from Pandasaurus. Um, designer is Jeffrey Allers. Um, it's, it's a couple years old. I think it's like a 2011-2012 uh, release. Um, but it's called New Amsterdam. Don't, not to be confused with Old Amsterdam. Um, so the players in this game just run around and they smoke as much weed as they possibly can. And the winner is the highest person at the end. No, I'm kidding. What that in the world is happening? That I was so, so confused weird. for a minute, but you were trying to tell a joke. You guys... It wasn't funny. That was not a strong... <laughs> you can cut it. I was going to say that's my trip to Amsterdam, but... <laughs> All right, cut that part. I'll start over. All right. Oh, no, I'm not cutting it. It's staying in. <laughs> You're going to live with that. No, I think it works. What'd you say? Proceed with your talk about New Amsterdam, Dan. So, New Amsterdam, um, the players are taking the part, uh, taking, taking the role of these patrons of the new city, and they're working t- together, well, not together, working against each other to build various businesses and um, harvesting different plots of land, as well as um, competing to ship furs back to the old world. Um the unique uh, mechanic within this game was the bidding, um, where a lot of games I've played, um, auctions are typically hit or miss with our group, um, especially if there's no action going on. It's just, yeah, you can have that. Go ahead. But the, in this one, you actually were bidding on these lots of actual actions you could take during your turn. So there was, depending on the number of players, there's, you know, between two and three actions that you're bidding on. Um, if you win the bid, you take those three action tokens, and those are yours to spend on your turn. Um, so that was that was interesting. I wasn't a huge fan of that mechanic, to be honest with you, um, because it, it's a very Eurocentric game, and I just didn't really like not knowing how to plan my next turn. Um, so, you know, because if you lost an action uh, bid... And you didn't get one of the, I think there's three actions you can take in total, or three types of actions, which all have sub-actions. Um, if you didn't get the ones you needed next turn, you know, you're SOL, and you just got to rethink your strategy there. So part of me enjoyed that kind of thinking on the fly, but the other part of me, that you know, the true Euro gamer just really didn't like not being able to plan what I needed to plan. So, but it wound up close. It was an interesting game. Uh, we played three players, and the final score was, I think, within seven points of all three. So, I think it was like 90 to 83 to 77 or something. It was really close. So, it it was interesting. I, I would play it again, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beg anyone to put it on the table. It looks pretty. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the art is Josh Capel, and the the wooden components are. They're chunky as all get up. They're huge um, little wooden houses that each player gets, and then you've got the little the um, the Indian wigwam looking things, and and some other things. So it's it's a decent it's a decent looking game, yeah, definitely. If you go to BGG, you can see a picture of two stormtroopers holding the box. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't, but it's there. Sounds nonsensical. <laughs> Heyo. 
Wow. No. Um, Covenant strong, Tiffany. This was... Sorry. Uh, New Amsterdam was a game that I watched a... I think it was a Shut Up and Sit Down review of, and they did not enjoy it. I, I, If I had to say it, I didn't. It's not my first choice. No? Uh, yeah, I don't think it would be, because it's just a mashup of a lot of different things, and I just didn't... Like I said, I didn't care for the action bidding. I'm okay with bidding games where you're bidding on resources and you know other things, but going against um, oh, and one thing I forgot to mention is the bidding system, and I think this is I think we played this correctly, and if we did, I hated it. Um, was that once you placed a bid, you never got a chance to rebid. So if I said two hundred, and Matt said three hundred, and then Tiffany said four hundred, Tiffany wins without me getting a chance to come back and say five hundred, uh, which I, oh. I didn't like at all because again, these are the actions you're taking. Um, now there are some special actions that can be taken, um, each action round without getting too into it. Um, but they're not the main kind of powerful actions that you want to be taking to kind of further your score and, and your progress. So I really didn't like that. I think if the auction was different, uh, maybe if we house ruled it so that you could bid because it's just... It's there's too much there's too much relying on you nailing that kind of first bid, kind of throwing your other players a wrench that they don't want to go into it with. Um, I don't think that was English what I just said, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Totally. totally. <laughs> so maybe sense. not the most glowing <laughs> endorsement, but uh, something maybe to check out. I don't know. Would you say try it if you have a chance, or just pass up on it? I'm I'm always one to you know try it once I'll try anything once but unless this one gets you know brought to the table and it's my last choice I'm not I'm not requesting it. Fair enough. All right, so that's New Amsterdam from Pandasaurus, not our favorite of the group. Um, <laughs> they'll redeem themselves with Machi Kuro. Yeah, well, we'll have to. Chat have you about played that? that? No, have you guys played it? I have not. Oh, Did you? I watched I demos of it. Yeah, I totally played it. Oh. Duh. I watched the Watch It played of it, and I felt like I was hanging out with Rodney Smith, and we were just being best pals. <laughs> I could just see you, like, with a beer, like, toasting Rodney while you're watching him play things. I may or may not have had pants on. <laughs> so that's going to be the theme hey, of our podcast. Is that my, where we want to go? That's my shtick. I never wear pants. That's just a family thing. Pantsless podcasting is where it's at. I'm the only one wearing pants. Great. Super. <laughs> well. Um, Moving on. Well, some of the other games, I mean, really quickly, I think you can probably hear more about these elsewhere, but we've been playing Samurai Spirit still. I know Dan got in a three-player game of that finally. Love it. Still, love Still it. love it. So crunchy and so beautifully mathematic. Excellent. I love it. Well, you can check out more about that. Um, head over to Geek All Stars if you want to hear Dan's excellent explanation of the game. Oh, you are. An it's a-hole. so good. Yeah. <laughs> and Sheriff of Nottingham, we've been playing, which is still super fun unless Dan decides to be a jerk in the middle of the game. And then Don't call me a jerk. I get cranky. Wait, wait, wait. Bad. Listen, guys, you're going to have to explain what happened here, I think. Okay. Let me. You want me to tell you, or do you want Dan to lie to you? I think you should both try to explain it at the same time. Go. <laughs> Loudest one wins. Well, I don't have a voice. 
Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> no. Well, okay. So we're playing Sheriff of Nottingham, which is Arcane Wonders' first contribution to the Dice Tower's Essential line. Whether or not that's a legitimate title can be debated. But either way, fun game, up to five players, bluffing, kind of a unique mechanic where you're trying to bluff goods through past a, past a player who is trying to call your bluff. So you're saying, I've got this many of this good in my little goods bag, and they can either call you out on it or they can let you go. And one of the ways that you can handle a uh, picky sheriff is you can bribe them. You can say, hey, if I give you this sweet, sweet $5 bill, how about you don't look inside my bag to see if I'm lying or not? Well, You just broke the thematic immersion. It's a coin. There's no dollar bills. Sorry, if I give you this nice, chunky piece of silver. Thank you. Okay, thank you. It's better. <laughs> anyway... It is a very thematic game, though, so that is fair to critique. But anyway, when it comes to Dan, he doesn't care about thematic immersion because he says, I'm the sheriff, and I will not have my palms greased. So he, I hand him... Oh, that sounds legit. No, that is not legit. It's totally legit. Because every sheriff can be bought. No, no, no. Every sheriff can be bought. Mm. We're in the middle of the not, game. I'm not doing not that well. Fish. I'm not a target. There is a clear front runner in this game, and it is not me. There, There's four bags out in front of Dan, the sheriff. And Dan picks up Steve's bag, taunts him with it, says, I'm not going to open your bag, and gives it to him. Uh, he picks up my bag, and without saying anything, just says, I'm going to open your bag, and opens it immediately and looks at the cards. Didn't give me a chance to utter a sound or a word, didn't give me a chance to say, hey, I'll give you all of my money. This is a negotiation game, man. I need to at least be given a shot to say, hey, this is what I can offer. I feel like that's part of that meta game. He's like setting you up because the next time around, you're going to think twice before you put that contraband in your little pouch. So he caught me with one, either he caught me with a contraband or he caught me with just a good, like, that I lied about. But... I at least, and Dan made the valid point of, like, I can do whatever I want, which he can, but I would appreciate at least the illusion. If you're not even going to accept my bid, that's fine, but let me put my bid out there to be rejected. He just grabbed my bag. I didn't even see him do it, and he was just like, I'm opening your bag. Sucks to be. Sounds like a very invasive process. I saw right through your filthy lies. I didn't even need to ask for a bribe. I was going to open it regardless. That's the problem with playing with people you know real well. People that you've lived with your whole entire life. But, I just would have appreciated the courtesy. Yeah, well... Well, I feel like as sheriff, if you know someone, if you know, if you look at someone, you can tell they're lying. Like, why even bother with the He couldn't tell that I was lying. I didn't, I had said I had three cards, three apples in my bag. That's the most popular good. It's a conservative number. No reason to suspect me. I had no contraband smuggled. I was, like, losing. I, we had entered a social contract when we sat down at the table. Everyone was playing the same (laughs) way. Everyone was giving everyone a chance, and then all of a sudden Dan has to rock the boat, and he has to do it to me, of all people. He doesn't know his own tells. He's so easy. What was my tell? What are his tell? What was my tell? What? 
Your tail was you handed me a filthy bag. I knew. Yeah, Dan says this even though I I took all of his money the first time we ever played. He was awful. <laughs> nice. Awful. Oh, I'm not so, good at this. So, game at will all. you play it? Oh, I'm not good at it either. Are you guys gonna play it together again, or did that sour your experience that one time? He got mad at me at the next turn. Just threw my. Yeah, I didn't. I said here, take it. I don't care. Sounds dramatic. Oh, I was definitely I cranky. I was cranky. But that's the way that we all game. We get cranky with each other. Oh, that sounds fun. We're brothers. Eh, uh, I don't really get cranky. Uh, Not in that game. That game's too You easy. sound cranky right now talking about it. I'm cranky that we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, sounds like it was fun. I think I would have liked seeing this go down. You would have we're thought it was hilarious because everyone else did. <laughs> nice. Well, then, then it served its purpose. Everybody had fun. Yeah, it is still a fun game. It's still a good game. I really enjoy it. Best part about that game, the snap. Oh, my gosh. Whoever thought of putting that snap on the bag is genius. Have any of yours busted? No. Uh, what have you been doing to your bags? The purple one, when we opened the box, was on. it's on the way. It's, it's on the way out. Shut up. Yeah. Mine's in perfect mint condition after several times. Smee plays. couldn't even yeah, close it. He couldn't snap it closed because it would have broken if he opened it again. Mm, sounds like you guys are rough snappers. <laughs> it's because we're yelling at each other and throwing our bags <laughs> at each other. <laughs> yeah. Lots of good games. Um, I think another one I was going to throw on that list that you can probably hear more about elsewhere would be Imperial Settlers. I think we've talked about that and we're excited about I that. I played that too. Um, the one that I I want to hone in on because I keep hearing about this game and still have no idea about it, but apparently it's Tiffany's favorite game ever. What what, what? is Red? Oh my gosh! Let's talk about. Can we red. talk about Red because I don't know about Red. Red is just like a really simple Carl Chudik game, which sounds crazy if you know anything about what Carl Chudik yep. does. He's the designer of Glory to Rome, Innovation, just all these very like meaty card games and red is probably the simplest version um it's an asmati games release they had a very limited release at gen con and it's just like a deck of cards that are different colors and you play them out into the the central pile you discard them and it changes the rules of the game each card you play out so it starts out you are playing red and the highest red card wins or something like that is what the card says and on your turn you can play cards out onto this pile that change it so like the most even card wins so on your turn you're trying to be winning whatever rule is out there and so it it really kind of melts your brain a little bit because you're thinking okay i can play this card to be winning right now but after these guys go, am I going to be able to play this? And once you're out, I mean, you're, you're eliminated uh, if you can't win on your turn. Okay. Okay. And it's got some advanced rules. And this weekend we played with some advanced rules. And that, like, it's, like I said, really simple deck of cards kind of thing. But I definitely had some AP moments where I'm, where I'm like, wait, what? Okay, if I play this card, like, we're checking our moves. <laughs> to make sure that that's, like, legit and it works. But I really loved it. I've been trying to talk Chris Kopak into selling me his copy, but he won't, so I'm going to have to wait until October. <laughs> it comes out in October. Yeah, I think so. I think they, they have it on... It's on Cool Stuff now, um, but it's under the name Red 7. Yeah. 
Because if you search red on BoardGameGeek, you're going to come up with a bajillion things. So I think they changed the name so you can find it a little bit easier. Okay. But it's good. It's like the most accessible Carl Chittick game ever. It's thinky and chunky, but it's just a deck of cards. And yeah, everyone should give it at least one try. Interesting. Yeah, I want to try it out because I think it's just you really that I hear championing it. But (laughs) that's enough for me. That's enough of an endorsement. Aww, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know you played it, Dan. Well, so what did you think? Uh, yeah, I, I had a copy and then I sold it. Why are you uh, doing this? Why do you keep selling off games? <laughs> it's <laughs> so upsetting. <laughs> you sold your copy to TC, which actually benefited me because I ended up playing it later on with TC after you left. But I wish you had sold it to me. I wish I had known at the time that I had wanted it. We're over here throwing. Sheriff of Nottingham cards at each other when we could be playing red and we could be playing diamonds. Well, I I didn't need red because I got impulse and I got glory to room. We still haven't played. You got impulse. So I have impulse. Yes. Oh. Learning. Yes. Okay. So I figured I could wait till October to get the new version, which is supposed to be a nicer quality with a little bit different graphic design. So. Yeah, they're fixing some things in it for our colorblind friends to yeah. help them differentiate. And they may even fix the rules. So, you know, I, it was good, but, you know, from what I understood, it wasn't complete. There were so. a couple little, like, vague things in the rules. So you got to kind of just, like, sit there and think about it for a little bit. But, yeah, I'm sure that the, the October thing will be better than the Gen Con thing. Okay. And I'm looking at it now. Pre-orders for eight dollars on cool stuff, but yeah. it looks like MSRP is going to be twelve anyway. So maybe throw a couple bucks to your local game store for that one. Cool. I'm sure it'll end up in our collection. Then we can chat about it more in October. Let's do that. We can do that. That sounds like a plan. Uh, any other big titles that anybody wanted to talk about? I think that's yeah. it for what we've been playing, right? So a, that's what we've been playing. So. Let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. We're going to take a quick break and then come back to our review where we talk about One Night Ultimate Werewolf versus The Resistance. Okay, so as this is a review episode, we're going to jump into our first review comparison, and today we're going to be looking at One Night Ultimate Werewolf and The Resistance. So I'm going to kick things off and talk a little bit about One Night Ultimate Werewolf. So this is from Ted Osbach and published by Bezier Games, and this is basically a new interpretation on the original werewolf game, which is a spinoff of Mafia, a very old game. It's crap. That Dan does not like, obviously. So I don't like it either. Review complete. No. Too crap. No, I like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Spoiler. Okay, so One Night Ultimate Werewolf, what's different about it? It actually has a lot of the same roles and mechanics as regular werewolf. But it's much shorter and much more compact. So in Werewolf, what happens is each individual will get a role either as a werewolf, as a regular old townsperson, or as a special townsperson that has 
an ability or win condition that's unique to their uh, role. And then each night everyone will go to sleep. They will close their eyes or put their heads down depending on the situation. And then one by one each role will wake up and execute their action. So if they're a werewolf, they'll be trying to kill a villager. If they're a villager, they'll be trying to kill a werewolf. If they're the seer, they'll be trying to find out everybody's roles. If they're this, they'll try to do that. It depends on who you are. But basically, one by one, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and try to do what you do. And then once that's all done, everyone wakes up and the villagers vote on who they'd like to lynch or hang or kill uh, for that day. And hopefully they get a werewolf. Um, The game can carry on a very long time. Tiffany, how long was the horrible game you played in? Oh, it was like... Two or three hours so long. No joke. Two or three hours of a uh, social deduction There's game. people yelling at each other, basically. Yeah. That's what it ended up being. So the interesting thing about Werewolf is that um, outside of these roles, it's largely socially driven. So the way the game works best is if you have outspoken people who are interested and engaged in the game because there's no real rule set guiding your decision making. So basically, some of it at the beginning of the game is more blind guesswork and kind of lying and bluffing. And then as the game goes on, there are definitely strategies and there's people who have written books and articles and things about Werewolf um, and the dynamics between people. But it's largely kind of unmoderated and unregulated as to what you're doing and who you're choosing for your different actions and um, who you're going to kill Werewolf or otherwise. And... That is not always fun, because depending on the group, um, depending on how you like to play, it can be tedious, or it can run long, or you can get kind of killed on the first night, and then you're out for the next two hours kind of thing. So what One Night Ultimate Werewolf has done is they've taken that whole system, condensed it into one round that lasts less than ten minutes, and basically you can play multiple rounds in a night or in an hour, Um, and get a lot of that interesting gameplay in kind of a very condensed format. Um, Is that fair to say? Anybody have any kind of input on the mechanics that maybe I missed? It's better than Werewolf. It's better than Werewolf. It is better than Werewolf. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll get into that a little bit. Let's all three say the same thing, (laughs) one after another. Good radio. That's good. So that's essentially Werewolf in a nutshell, and then... The converse One Night Ultimate Werewolf, um, what Bezier Games has done to try to reinvigorate um, and change the werewolf uh, line a bit. And the reason why we chose One Night Ultimate Werewolf to go up against the Resistance is because they're very similar in kind of their social um, bluffing games. And we'll go ahead and kind of look at the overview of the Resistance and then we can compare and contrast the two of them. So Tiffany, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Resistance? Okay, so in the Resistance, it's pretty much the same thing. I think it was also based on Mafia Werewolf, um, but much, much shorter. It plays in about 30 minutes, 20 minutes, depending on how many players you got. Social deduction, you got 5 to 10 players. They're given a role. They're either spies or they are, um, what do you call that? Rebels or... 
Right. Yeah. Resistance operatives. Yeah. They're the resistance. Yeah. They're resistance <laughs> operatives or they're spies. So um, what happens is at, at the beginning, there is like a mission leader and they're picking people to go on missions. So they'll give like a little gun token to the people they think they can trust to go on a mission. So if you're a spy, you're trying to get maybe another spy on the mission. If you're a resistance, you're trying to get everybody that's resistance on the mission. And uh, everybody that's playing gets to vote whether or not they trust that group to go on the mission. So they vote. Um, if they vote, okay, good to go, send this group out. That group goes out and they use tokens to vote whether or not the mission succeeds or fails. So, um, and, and it kind of just goes around like that. The, the mission leader changes turn to turn. If um, a group is voted down, like no one trusts them to go on the mission, then it just passes to the next player and you try again. Um, at some point, I forget how many times that has to happen in a row where like spies just win because no one trusts anybody. But that's kind of how it works. You just, you're, it's very simple. You're just, you're a spy or you're a resistance and you do these votes and it's just very open you're you're interrogating people kind of to try to figure out what their tells are and if they're what team they're on and that kind of thing and you get a little bit more information as each mission goes all right does that pretty well cover it yeah i think so um so let's talk a little bit about the overlap between these two games um we've got both are kind of large player counts, so resistance is 5 to 10. Um, I think you can play it. Can you play with 4, or is it 5 minimum? It's 5 to 10. Okay. Um, and then One Night Werewolf is 3 to 10. Yeah, which is excellent. So normal werewolf goes up to 100 people, however many want to play. But both of these games that are kind of iterations of that have condensed it down to 10 players, which in the board gaming, you know, your typical tabletop, uh, game night, 10 players is a lot of players. You know, There's not too many games that can host that many players. Um, Dan, thoughts on overlap here? No. I'm curious to see One Night Ultimate Werewolf played it with three players. Seems kind of boring. Um, I played it with four, and it, I feel like both of these games do better with higher player counts. Yeah, I, I agree. They're good games when you do have that that group before you split up you know, on a game night and you want to get in a game together. Um, these are two you could reach for easily as far as player count is concerned. Yeah, so they do host lower player counts, so five and three players are much more typical for a game night, but not ideal for, for either of these games as the more players there are, the more confusion, the more human element you're introducing, which means... Social deduction gets harder, bluffing gets a little bit easier maybe, um, more lies being thrown around, more deception, uh, and just a lot more randomness given that people kind of just are doing whatever they want, and it gets kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, it's less I've got overlap for this, too. Yeah. Screaming, Screaming at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that. Both games are scream at your friends. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I think the interesting thing about these games is that you are called together to make a decision. So in the resistance, you need to first vote for whether or not you trust the team, and then you need to vote on the mission. Voting on the mission basically is dictated by your role. If you're a spy, you typically vote 
against. If you're a resistance, you typically vote for, depending on... Well, you always vote for if you're resistance, or else you've done something wrong. You have to. It's like yeah. in the rules. You have um, to. The spy, you can lie a little bit, but generally you're going to vote uh, against the mission and make it fail. So it's really that approving the team, and then similarly in One Night Werewolf, where you're trying to kind of decide who the villages are. Basically, you, you almost have to establish a little team of your own. Who do you trust? Who do you want to partner up with to help you deduce who you should go after and vote for? So this is where a lot of the gameplay comes from. And it's largely, it's moderated by whoever is the loudest. So as Tiffany said, a lot of screaming goes on because whoever's going to speak up tends to be... Uh, the leader of the pack. It's almost kind of like a little social experiment. Well, and in my group, what a lot of times happens is there's like a couple of people that we don't trust in general. (laughs) I happen to be one of them. (laughs) So like what happens is I'll be a good guy and I'll just be like, no, guys, seriously, it's really, I'm, I'm not trying to kill you. But no one believes me, so I just get more and more frustrated, so I get louder and louder and louder. Uh, that's how my games go for both of these. Do you find that being louder, louder, and louder makes people trust you less and less? Um, no. No, it works for me. Whining and getting loud totally yeah, works for I like me. to point out, how, that's my diversion. How loud do you... I was going to say, hmm? how loud do you actually get? Because <laughs> I, I don't see you being loud at all. <laughs> it depends on who I'm playing with, because, like... I played at Origins with um, a group that were, like, big-time social gamers, um, and, and they are just over-the-top, huge, extroverted, out-there people, which I am definitely not that. So when I play with those people, I'm just sitting back. I'm barely saying anything. I'm trying to do a poker face, which I don't have at all. And uh, so that's how I play that. But when I'm in the right environment, like, for my game group, I am probably the more outspoken person in the group so i'm i'm pretty loud so you got to get me with the right group of and people. we all remember that tiffany does declare she's a self-proclaimed socially inept gamer so that's saying something about the people you play games with yeah yeah for sure there it's a giant group of very introverted people i think for the most part we have a couple of people that are a little bit more crazy out there I'm not saying that all extroverts are crazy <laughs> in general uh Dan never trusts me at all. That sounds about right. Which is why our Sheriff of Nottingham game goes so well. Uh, You're a psychology major. Does he have reason not to trust you, though? I mean... He has a master's in psychology. He's always trying to play with my head. I don't trust him. Yeah, and I don't trust Dan because he usually doesn't know what's going on. And that (laughs) sometimes plays to his advantage. There's been many a one-night werewolf game that Dan has completely acted like a werewolf. He's been shady, he's lied, and it turns out he was a good guy the whole time, and he just, for whatever reason, mixed things up. We have someone like that in our group who is just, like, the the wild card person. Yeah. That you just, like, cannot, like, I would never put them, if we're playing Resistance, you're never going on the mission, <laughs> ever. And it's not because I don't trust you, it's just because who knows what's going on there i can't figure it out you have no tells you always seem shady or i don't know and when you and when you don't see when you seem trustworthy you're not i don't know there are always people in the group that are just the element of chaos yeah confusion 
And this game yeah. thrives on that. The more confusing it gets, if you like this style of game, I think that's what really makes it fun. But it also makes it tough, and if you don't like to not know what's going on, neither of these games it are really going to work. Yeah. yeah, they both have a level of frustration, because like there are instances where you can get angry, like legit. I've seen people get legit angry when they play this game. I believe that. I'm probably one of them. Like thrown out of a bar because you're too loud. Uh, that wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> but I also don't play the resistance at the bar, so. Oh, that's the only play, place you play the resistance. <laughs> well, so we talked, there's a lot of similarities to this game, mainly because they were based on the same roots. You know, they come from kind of the same uh, lineage. But what do we think are the things that separate these two games? Length. Probably the biggest one. I think that's, well, I think it plays into how you play each game. <clears throat> With One Night Ultimate Werewolf, it's once, you know, once and done. Whereas the resistance, the kind of shadiness and the, the, uh, the trusting or not trusting kind of builds from round to round. And you kind of determine the meta, the various teams, etc. Whereas in one Night Ultimate Werewolf, it's basically a three-minute debate, and then you just go, all right, vote. Right. So, well, and in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, Wolf, you can set the time. Like, it's it's a flat-out ten minutes. Yep. And, and whereas Resistance, it generally will take 30 minutes, but it could take a lot longer if you have a lot of really stubborn, you know, people in the group or people that don't like indecisive people in the group. Yeah, you could get those drawn matches up right before the threshold and then somebody reveals or whatever and it's like, dope. And then the threshold drops back down. I forget what it's called. I'm sorry. The, when you get a tie. Yeah. There's that certain threshold where it, it ends the game. Yeah, and we've had games of resistance go uh, actually around like 10 minutes because what's ha what happens is either the first team that goes is kind of like a perfect team and then that just gets duplicated and uh, things just like the opponents just never get a chance to really disrupt things well enough. Um, and they just complete three missions in a row, and I think that that does it, or four missions, I guess, because it's got to be the no three, because it's got to be the majority, um, and that doesn't make for much fun. It kind of defeats right. the purpose. Well, yeah, and resistance is probably the more va variable of the two. Like one night werewolf, you know, you're sitting down for ten minutes, and you're going to play the game, and no matter what happens, it's ten minutes. Resistance, you could get like emotional, more emotionally invested in that game. That's, I think that's a big difference. Yeah, I do like the point that Dan makes because I never really thought of it that way. But Resistance really gives you that time to assess the social situation a bit more and also do a little bit more of kind of objective calculation in that you can see when missions fail. I think that's when you learn the most is that first time a mission fails. And you're like, okay. Right, you see who voted what for who. Yeah. yeah, I just cut the field in half almost. You know, I, I know who I can target now, and I can use that appropriate, that, that knowledge where One Night Ultimate Werewolf, you don't find out until the very end. So you're always kind of just guessing the whole time. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. In One Night Ultimate Werewolf, I feel like you... 
you feel like you have a lot of information to begin with because you have the different roles going on and and some of them like flat out know like what's up like this person can be trusted i saw that this is what i saw but you have roles in there like the troublemaker that just randomly switches two roles and you might not know if your role got switched or not so there's this there's a bigger element of randomness that you might not even be able to deduce what you are because there are these roles in there that make it impossible for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and you really don't gather any knowledge past that original turn you take when you wake up and you do your thing. That's all you get and the rest is just what you can trust and what you choose not to trust. Right. So Another dis- think, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, you go. <laughs> you had an I think your sentence started. I think I, so I don't. Way more I don't think it anymore because I totally forgot it. You should go. Damn it! No, no. I was going to say another difference being the the monitor the moderator, um, which one night ultimate werewolf really lends you know a hand with that awesome app that Bezier put out that kind of walks players through it, um, and it's. I find it to be nice because it counts it for you, kind of. It announces everything. Whereas in the resistance, sometimes I feel like people, you know, when we're heads are down and stuff like that, are kind of giggling. And I don't know. It's just a silly one. But I think the moderator is a big mm-hmm. thing um, for well, some people. I think people. it's more necessary in One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Because, yeah. like, how many roles are there available in One Night Ultimate Werewolf? Like, one, two, three, four, five. Like, 11 different kinds of roles. Yep. And they all get to see different things at different times. So if you didn't have an app, like, you would have to have someone sitting out. Yeah. Like, regular werewolf moderating but, thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you don't have access to a, a smartphone or you know, a tablet, then it, it could be a little bit more of a challenge, I think. Whereas with just vanilla resistance, you only have the two roles. So it's pretty easy to moderate mm-hmm. with just someone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you said what I wanted to say a lot better, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, and on that <laughs> note, we can throw a curveball to the mix. Now, the Resistance is a standalone game, but there's also this other version, the, Resi- the Resistance Avalon, which is similar game mechanics, changes the theme a little bit, the setting. Uh, it's the same game. It's just themed uh, around King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table. So um, instead of playing like spies in a dystopian future, you're knights and like, you know, minions of Mordred or something like that. Um, and you go on quests instead of missions. So you can play it just like Resistance and do it that way. But they also include some additional role cards in there. Uh, that that spice it up a little bit. So it, it puts it closer to One Night Ultimate Werewolf where there are all these different roles that do different things. Um, just to give you an idea, there's like Merlin there. So when everybody closes their eyes at, at one point, um, Merlin gets to see who the bad guys are. He knows who the bad guys are and he's a good guy, but he can't tell everybody who the bad guys are. So he's in there. There's an assassin in there. So the assassin at the end of the game, if they can guess who Merlin is, uh, then the evil players win. So it's kind of like a last ditch effort thing. Okay. Yeah. And there, there are more things. There's Percival. He's a character. He's a good character. And he knows who Merlin is at the start of the game. So he's kind of protecting Merlin, but, 
Um, and then there's, I'm trying to think what else there is. There's Mordred, and that's an evil character, and his his identity is not revealed to Merlin at the start of the game. So, like, Merlin knows all the evil guys except for Mordred. And, um... So the introduction of these roles takes, like you said, vanilla resistance, spices it up, makes it a little, for lack of a better term, like, gamey. It introduces yeah, some yeah. strategy. Yeah, well, it... it... Yeah, it gives you more information. So there are players that have more information about what's going on. Like, I would compare it to, you know, if you're playing One Night Ultimate Werewolf, there's the Seer. And the Seer is a pretty powerful role because they can look at another player's card or two of the cards that are in the center that no one has. So they kind of know what two of the players are, maybe, if you don't have a weird troublemaker or a drunk or something mixed in there. A drunk is a role, not just like a random drunk in your group. Random drunks in your group can do that too, though. (laughs) It's true. But the drunk role is really interesting. Like, he doesn't remember his role. So So he switches with the middle. Yeah. Because another thing about One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which we didn't mention, it's not too important, but it does switch things up a bit, is that there's always three roles in the middle of the table. So, whereas you have perfect information in other social deduction games like the resistance you know how many bad guys there are in one night ultimate werewolf there's three roles in the middle that can be anything basically all these roles get shuffled up everyone gets one and then there's three left over so your two werewolves could be in the middle or the seer could be in the middle and this is what really i think throws a unique mix into one night ultimate werewolf because a really kind of well-placed lie or lucky lie can have you faking a role that's actually in the middle and people often can't prove one way or another because they never saw those roles in the middle. Um, And we've actually had games where if you're quiet enough and you wait to the back and no one claims seer soon enough, you can be like, oh, I bet you that seer's in the middle. I'm going to pretend to be the seer and just start lying my way out of whatever situation I'm in, or similar things like that. So I think that that's always interesting that there's those extra roles in the middle. Yeah, and that's why Resistance Avalon, a lot of people probably prefer that version. I don't know. I'm fine with just vanilla Resistance, but Avalon does make it more interesting. It gives you more more things to think about. And the thing that I like about it in the the rule book, the way they set it up, is they kind of say okay, if you add this role, it's going to make the side of evil stronger. If you add this role in, it's going to make the side of good a little bit stronger. So if you're having those games where, like, oh, man, the spies always win, like, you can kind of balance it out for how your group plays. Nice. Cool. So, Dan, it falls to you. You're first up. You've got you and nine of your closest friends at the house for game night. Somebody's got One Night Ultimate Werewolf, somebody's got The Resistance, or maybe even The Resistance Avalon. Where do you fall on this social deduction game spectrum? I pull out Citadels. He pulls out Citadels, which we are not reviewing today. Fantastic. (laughs) No. I'm kidding. Um, If I had to choose between the two, I don't know. If I had the same group of people, the structure of The Resistance... I think is a little bit easier to get uh, newer gamers into the kind of bluffing and deduction type games. Um, but the kind of craziness of 
one night ultimate werewolf and just kind of the free flowing conversation afterwards is, is, is really entertaining. Um, <clears throat> I personally, I think would pick one night werewolf or one night ultimate werewolf. Sorry. If given the chance between the two and that app is so cool. I really enjoy that app. <laughs> yeah. It's got like the ambient outside noises to yep. try to like mask you moving your tiles around. Yep. Yep. And, and you get to listen to Eric summer. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. His golden voice, yes. I mean I've had I've had games of both. Well, I've never really disliked a game of one night ultimate werewolf. They're always kinda of silly. And I usually start to confuse myself after a while. And that makes it even more interesting. Um but the resistance I think we've had a few games. And they were at lower player accounts, so I will say that, but I've had a few games where they've just been duds and I just really got bored. Well and I think if you're playing a game of resistance, one downfall to that game is if you have a player or two players that are not fully engaged and fully ready to lie and argue, wheel, deal, you know, that's not going to be the funnest game if you have someone just kind of sitting there just like blinking at you. Yeah, yeah. I... Like if they're not willing to engage in a conversation about why or why not they decided to approve a mission, like that's not going to be a fun game because you're just looking at them and it's whatever. Exactly. I think that the resistance and I, I guess I'll say that if I'm sitting down with a large group of people, um, I'm going to go for One Night Ultimate Werewolf usually because... One, it's faster, and two, I think it's easier to engage in that kind of conversation uh, and table talk, which is what the game relies on. The resistance is a bit, I think, less structured in the fact that the choices that you're making of who to bring on your teams and also when you just start accusing, there's very little basis to go on, which is the same in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, um, but I think... Having the different roles makes it a little bit more puzzly for me to work out, which in the resistance, if I haven't seen, um, if a mission hasn't failed yet, I basically am accusing people just for the fun of it. And I think it's a bit harder for people, depending on your group, obviously, to kind of jump in free form and say, well, I'm just going to start accusing people or I'm going to start claiming this or that where One Night Ultimate Werewolf, you can rely on the roles a little bit and say, well, I'm accusing this person or I'm thinking this way because of my role, whereas the resistance is kind of like, Dan looked at me funny, let's get him out of here, let's not take him on missions. At least that's my opinion. So I'd probably lean on One Night Ultimate Werewolf a bit more, but I also haven't played Avalon, so... And just, yeah. to, just to clarify, like when I said more structure in the resistance, I was I was leaning more towards how in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, your role could actually change from the time mm -hmm. of the start of the game. Yeah. So you're almost kind of playing a little deduction game the whole, you know, throughout. Whereas in the Resistance, you stay who you are. It's not like other games like Masquerade, where like things are switching all around. And I, I like that. I prefer that. I think it gives it a little bit of an edge. Well, yeah. I think I think when you're looking at both games, I think one Night Ultimate Werewolf is a lot more random because you have those roles in there that switch out roles and change roles and you might not know. I mean, the only role that really knows who they are at the end of that whole thing is the Insomniac because they're the last person to look at their card. So 
anybody else is like game for having their role switched and you can have a situation and here's what I don't like about one that werewolf where you're you were a werewolf yay and you're looking at your other werewolf buddy and you got this all planned out and then you find out after everybody's all talking about what they were that your role got switched and then your werewolf buddy totally figures that out and turns on you and you're screwed yeah yeah but the beauty of it is it's so quick you just don't have to care that much. It's so <laughs> quick, so if it sucks, it's fine. Yeah, you I, just start over. Also, those <laughs> are some of the best moments, though, is when, because you can you can do the puzzle and solve it, um, if everyone gives a piece of information about their role or their supposed role, you can um, track roles and kind of where they moved. And one of my favorite moments of any One Night Werewolf game is when you're sitting there and you you weren't the werewolf. And you have your expertly laid plan and you're lying and you're accusing. And then you figure out, I'm a werewolf right now because someone gave me that role. And then all of a sudden, like, you've got to, I always try to keep that quiet as long as possible. But then once somebody else figures it out, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. And everyone's kind of looking at you shady. I love that moment because it's the, oh, crap, like. I have been talking out my butt this whole time, and now all of a sudden I'm a werewolf. And and that's definitely fun. We've but I, you know I've been in games where people's like, "Yep, I'm the werewolf," and they know it, and everybody else knows it, and it just like sucks all the fun out. Yep. In that instance. Yep. I think that's yeah. part of the group though, and I think the same thing can happen in Resistance, where it's just like, "Yep, you got me on the spy. Don't let me on any teams, whatever." See, I don't. I've I've never seen that happen in Resistance, yeah. where anybody is just like resigned to like, "Yep, you figured me out. I'm the spy." But I've definitely seen that happen in One Night Werewolf more than one time. Yeah. And so, if it's not a mystery, I think I would choose uh, Resistance over One Night Werewolf. I like both games. I do. And I think if you're in it for like silly, crazy fun, like, and you're cool, your group is cool with randomness then this is probably a good game. It's thinkier and puzzlier, like Matt said. You can kind of deduce things out because you have, it seems like you have all this information at the beginning, but all these things get switched around. Whereas um, the tone of resistance is a little bit more serious and you're, you're, you can actually figure out socially who is what, and that builds over time. Yep in the game and I, I like the way that feels it, it's immersive the theme is immersive I, when I'm playing One Night Werewolf I don't really ever feel like a werewolf but I sure do feel like a spy when I'm looking at my best friend and saying I would never lie to you and you know that okay and she's like if you lied to me we are just done we are done for life and I'm like I would never lie to you and I'm lying right to her face that's intense and awesome and I don't think you get that out of One Night Werewolf I would have to agree. Yeah, that is a, a fair point. And I'm just, I guess I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> I'm not a great liar either. We should play this game together and see what happens. We should. Uh, but I think, so either way, there you go, our, our kind of opinions on these two lighter, I don't want to call them party games, but they're large group games, um, so they are good for kind of bigger social gatherings and meetups, short playtime, lots of social interaction and social deduction, beware, got to have the right group, got to have people ready to engage and, and either goof off in One Night Werewolf 
or just be prepared to sacrifice all your best friendships in the resistance as you lie to your friends' faces. But either way... By the way, I've never been a spy, ever. But so you just lied for no reason? <laughs> Did you just That's... lie on the podcast? I would never lie on this podcast. You guys are my best friends. Truth. I am <laughs> flattered. So, <laughs> definitely two games worth checking out. Kind of see which one's right for you. I think also a bonus, just to throw in here at the end. Both are pretty cheap, so there's really not much reason not to try either one out or maybe grab the one you like and have a friend grab the other one and, and check them out um, if you have a game group big enough for them. So, there we go. That is our first review on our review podcast, One Night Werewolf versus The Resistance. All right, everyone, so our last segment for today's cast is going to be something a little different, a little trivia quiz show for my two co-hosts, Tiffany and Dan. I've drummed up a few, some could say nonsensical or random questions that would fit into the board gaming realm, and we're going to learn a little bit about these two guys, well, guy and gal, and uh, see what they like, what they don't like. So, my first question, simple enough, Tiffany and Dan, dice or meeples? Oh, you're killing me. Dice with meeples? No. I choose meeple meeples every time. Yeah. Yeah. Meeples every time. <laughs> I'm a yeah, I got, guy. Yeah, I gotta go meeples, but it's a close one on that. Alright, well, next question. Alright, well, Tiffany, Feld or Chavadal? Feld. Done. Dan. Mm, probably Feld. Although I will caveat that with I haven't played a lot of Chivatals. Through the ages. Chivatals don't work for Galaxy me. Galaxy Trucker. Oh, sorry. Space Alert. Dungeon Lords. I've only played Dungeon Half Lords. Core. And uh, Galaxy Trucker. I've played. I have Galaxy Trucker, and I like that. But um, I had Space Alert, and I traded it away for like a million Cosmos two-player games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that same note, if you both love Feld so much, what's your favorite Feld? Schweikerstadt. Uh, I'll probably have to go with. Played that. Oh, it's Castles of Burgundy. Castles of Burgundy and Schweikerstadt. Now Schweikerstadt's an auction game. Kinda, yeah. You're you're using meeples to bid, sort of. It's got like a little social component to it, but yeah, it's it's a quick fell. Yeah, and Castles of Burgundy was my first ever, and probably one of the. It's one of my favorite three-player Euro games. It is horrendous with four. I think that one got hyped up to me too much because I I didn't play it until this year. Yeah. And everybody says that it's the best game and it's it's good. I'm playing some games of it on Yukata right now, but it's not my favorite, not by a long shot. I think 
three players, it plays in like an hour and a half, and I, I enjoy that. I appreciate that. Because at the time when I first started playing it, we were playing a lot of longer games. And I was like, mm. whoa, this feels like a Euro, but it plays way faster. So that was cool. I get that. And then we played like a three-hour four-player game, and I was like, oh, this is awful. So, <laughs> but anywho. So, would you rather, I got a couple here. Dan, would you rather play only Haba games forever or only Lovecraft-themed games forever? Oh, that's easy, Haba. See, I thought it was easy. Tiffany, your answer? That's way too easy for him. Um... I don't know. That's tough. Because I do love Lovecraft. Yeah. I, I've I've read a lot of it, and I like certain Lovecraft games, but I think those games are too hit and miss for yeah. me. So I I'd go with Haba. Also, they have a much solid, more solid reputation for me. I crafted that specifically for you guys. I didn't know which direction well, you were gonna you. go. Really? Well, see, the one. fact of the matter is that Lovecraft theme gets pasted on all kinds of games. So I think there's a wider variety there than playing children's games for the rest of your life. So I don't know. My, I think both of us, our game of Gen Con was Rhino Hero. <laughs> I recognize that, but only Rhino Hero okay. forever? Maybe. Ah, oh, you people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many variants of Tear Off Tear there are? There are a lot. There was a Haba sale, and I almost got one of them, but it wasn't any cheaper than Amazon, so. Oh, yeah. But we do need one of I'll... them. Yeah, get Balancing Bridge. In my opinion, that's the best one. You stack meeples on top of each other, everyone. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, all right, Dan. I don't know how, where you're going to fall on this one. Would you rather only play co-ops forever... Or only play push your luck games. Push your luck. Can't deny his competitive nature. Tiffany? Push your luck. Fair enough. Alright. Co-ops are too co-ops are too hit or miss. I like co-ops. I and do I start Yeah, I started my my hobby gaming with a lot of co-ops because I couldn't get other people to play with me, and you can usually play a co-op one player. Um, but as I've aged <laughs> in my gaming hobby i'm i'm less and less uh, enamored as you became with more refined yes that's it yeah but co-ops at least offer variety in gameplay push your luck is push your luck i always like pushing my luck <laughs> yeah, i depends. always enjoy that a lot of co-ops still haven't solved the alpha problem which is annoying i i want to think for myself if you can find a co-op game that lets me think for myself then i might choose that but, you need to play Defenders of the Realm. Yes, I do. That that one, you it it. I think that one solves it a little bit. It is it is a lot like Pandemic, but it has enough going on where you're kind of all going off having your own little adventure on the board, and it's by Richard Lanius, so it's gonna be awesome. Arkham Horror. <laughs> Man, give the guy a break. What is the game that you that you're currently addicted to, Dan? What is the game? Run, fight, or die. But it's yeah. not designed by Richard mm -hmm. Lawrence. There you go. But mm -hmm. Arkham Horror is the worst game ever created. He's only played like three rounds of one game. It doesn't count unless you played a full game. He's not I did play a full game. game. We did play the full game. Oh, okay. I wanted, to, I wanted to jump off the roof. Is that the one that you fell asleep during? Probably. 
what time did you play this? Like, it's not the kind of game you want to play late on in a game night. The first time we ever played was Midnight New Year's Eve. <laughs> and it was the worst idea ever because Ben taught it to us, and we love Ben, but he was just reading the rule book to us, and that was awful. Oh, that's you're gonna have a, that's guaranteed bad time. When I played, it was also at a very inappropriate time. It was during that 24-hour marathon, mm. but I was taught by very experienced players. We actually had to take a break to get food midway through, but it was still it was enjoyable. I think Eldritch Horror cha- like fixes all the problems with Arkham, and I enjoy Eldritch a lot. It's basically oh, let's move here. Oh, roll dice. Oh, I failed. Let's move back. Oh, roll some more dice. Oh, I failed. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back on but track. But you also aren't into Lovecraft. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not moving on. <laughs> you chose to play this game in the worst possible conditions. Also, you're not, like, super into that theme in any way, shape, or form, correct? No. So, you, I mean, you're, like, destined to fail. You're destined to hate that game. Well, that's why I said I just, I just don't like it. That's all. I understand. Wait, you don't just not like it. It is your least favorite game ever. You think it's the worst game ever made. That, okay. Let's, all right, let's rephrase that. That was the worst time gaming I have had the last three to four years. I'll accept that. Acceptable. Moving on. All right. Moving right along. Would you rather record a top ten list with Tom, Z, and Sam in the Dice Tower, or... Record a ten-hour marathon cast on the Geek All Stars with Dan Patrice. Ten hours now. You're killing me here. Ten hours. Dan. He's got a good name. Strong name. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta pick Dan. Dan is my like. He's he's been my roommate in many a cons, and I mean we go way back. He's. There's a chance he's to get your name circle. and your face on the Dice Tower Network. Dan, every time. Faith, I appreciate that. Stand by your friends. Now, I forgot to mention that seven hours of that will be only about the NHL deck building game. Oh, no. But hey, you already agreed to it. I'll suffer through it. I'll suffer through it. It'll be okay. All right, and my last... There's always Twitter. My last of the Would You Rathers before my grand finale. Would you rather only play online games with your friends, or would you rather play the newest games live with randos online with friends where you can play every new game as it hits shelves but you have to play it with randos socially inept gamer not into randos you'd rather just wait for bga to get to get the game i guess so i don't know i just like i don't deal well in a like a brand new game like everybody's new situation like i need to dip my toe in to like new players so like well, i can only handle like one or two at a time so i think i think i'm lying all right dan i probably would pick the new stuff dan is all about the call to the new i knew i'd get him one of these i do i mean plus i don't i don't play a lot of online games i wish i did but i don't well, what about the plus social I'm... element you're giving up your game group your fellow nonsensical gamers no. It's... You're abandoning us. Yeah, for the hotness. That's what you're doing. I'm not abandoning See where your priorities lie. And I called well, you I a co-host. I would probably do. 
I would probably play games on my phone while I'm playing the new games with other people. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I forgot to put a disclaimer on here that you couldn't do that, so I guess it's legal. I find loopholes for a living. <laughs> That's true. All right, so our grand finale. Dan, we're going to play a modified uh, game here. We're going to play Keep, Giveaway, Burn. I'm going to give you three games. you got to decide which one you want to keep, which one you want to give away, and can only play when you give it to one of your friends and you're with that friend. And then one game you have to burn. And your three games are Russian Railroads, Rococo, and your Fresco Big Box that you just got. That's, like, sacrilegious. Keep one, give one away, and burn one. Was it again? Russian Railroads, Rococo. And your big box of <clears throat> tiny cubes. I'd probably go I'd keep Rococo because I absolutely love that game. Give away Fresco and burn Russian Railroads. What? Oh, God. Russian Railroads, I think, after a while becomes, I don't want to say solvable, but I think... It has the least replay value of those three. I am so sad right now. It really did hurt my heart. I didn't think hearing your burn was a uh, was going to do that to me. The fresco, other people could enjoy that. I could give that away to anyone because it's such a lighthearted, good intro to the Euro space. Yeah, but it's the fresco <clears throat> big box. I think I would keep that one because it has so many options in there. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I can still play it. Dan so. really likes making and trying on dresses. I'm a huge fan. I have not dresses. played Rococo, but I hear it's quite good. Do you, do you only hear that from Dan, though? I hear that from Dan a lot. <laughs> no, I've, I've heard more than just Dan say that, though. And you're, you're catching me at a time where it's probably my favorite game currently. So That is why I put it on the list, in fact. I have promos for that game, but I don't own the game. Are they the four dresses? I don't know. No, <laughs> she doesn't fine. know what they are, but she knows she has them. They're, they're just promos. That is game 477. All right, Tiffany. So I recently listened to your episode of the Geek All-Stars that you and Dan were on with other Dan. And I got an idea of the games that you like. So I, I custom built this list for you. Keep, Giveaway, or Burn... Panamax, Abyss, Red. Assuming you owned a copy of Red. <laughs> um, That's an easy one. Whichever one you burn, you can never buy again. Oh, you didn't tell Dan that. You could probably make Red. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> you cannot just buy another copy of the $12 Red. Red 7. Right, but I could just, I mean, it's a simple game. I could figure it out. I could put it on note cards. That's fine, but you could also make okay. the fresco big box out of note cards and little pieces of wood if you wanted. I'm just saying that would be a lot more time-consuming. I could, I, could I could make red right now. So you're burning red? Uh, okay. So I'm Substitute gonna... red with Defenders of the Realm. See, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't have another game. No. <laughs> okay, we'll substitute Red with Defenders of the Realm then. This is a modified okay. list. So we have Panamax, we have Abyss, Abyss, and Defenders and of the Realm. Def- 
We'll keep Defenders of the Realm. That was easy for you. Even though Panamax is now your, like, two thumbs up game. That is true. Defenders of the Realm is my number one all-time favorite game over all 400 games that I have in my collection. That is the game I love the most. I just learned something. Yeah, and that's the game, like, that's the one game I have that has painted miniatures in it. And if you go and look right now on Board Game Geek, you'll see that those miniatures are very miniature miniatures. So you'll know the kind of time I invested in painting them. That good. <laughs> that, that game is important to me. Um, I would give away Panamax because I've only played it once, but I love it. I think it's, I think it's a very solid game. Uh, I think I'm going to enjoy playing that many, many times to come. And Red I could probably live without because people get confused by it. And I don't think I'd get it to the table as much. No, no, no. Red is gone. Replaced by Defenders of the Realm. What oh, would you do crap. with Abyss? You would burn Abyss. Oh, Abyss. Yeah, I'd burn Abyss. You'd burn Abyss. Yeah, I mean, there are other games that do similar things to Abyss. And even though it's really, really pretty. I was say, would you burn um, that box? It's so good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it would hurt. It would hurt. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be easy. But that's the one I would burn for sure. All right. There you have it. Keep Defenders of the Realm, toss Panamax, and burn Abyss. Sorry, Bruno. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, that is actually all we have for you today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the second episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. You learned a little bit about Tiffany and Dan today. Hopefully, I can have my own shot at answering a few questions. Heard our thoughts on... One Night Ultimate Werewolf in the Resistance, and obviously got a little taste of what we were playing. So join us again in another week, where we're going to try to alternate back to our original episode format, where we talk about news, Kickstarters, and a lovely discussion topic. But until then, we can say goodbye. Good night. Bye. See you, everyone. It wouldn't be easy, but you could do it. I already said that. It wouldn't be easy. I thought you meant because of the emotional attachment. You meant because it's about underwater and you think you couldn't physically burn it? No, I I meant the first thing. I think that's what Dan was going for, though. Thematic immersion. (laughs) There it is. Dan's strong suit. Nailed it.